Anyone asked to define conservatism is likely to characterize the position as a variety of stoicism and conservatives as people manifesting a determined resistance to change. Conservatives are often depicted in the media as a stubborn old person entrenched in their ways, always looking back to a better time and at the future with great anxiety. This depiction is not altogether wrong. Even the strongest promoters of conservative values often liken conservatism to an anchor on the liberal ship. Those on the right are known more for retarding development than we are for being in the forefront of change. Liberals have taken to calling themselves progressives to better differentiate themselves from their traditionalist brethren. It cannot be argued that conservatives seek to conserve the past, but the caricature does not do conservatives justice. We do not want or expect change to cease progressing, but without a strong alternative, how can liberals adjudicate the distinction? The conventional image of conservatism as resistance to change is not the biggest problem conservatives face, however. The first step towards a new and better conservatism is to jettison the idea conservatives are against progress. There are many innovators and leaders among conservatives. Certainly, we are against some change, but so are liberals. Most radical environmentalists are liberals, and no one is more averse to development than agreeing. The division between people who are pro-change and those who are averse to it does not do justice to either liberalism or conservatism. It has, however, caused a deep and lasting bias against conservatives. In the minds of many, it is the part of old men, mostly white. It might be a radical notion that a line between conservatism and liberalism actually exists and is quite visible. Political parties have mostly played into the narrative and worsened the confusion by overlapping party platforms. The common understanding about liberalism is that they are the party of freedom. Liberals want liberation, especially sexual liberty. The various sexual freedoms have morphed into gender rights. A generalized impression of the liberal-slash-conservative divide can be gained by thinking of liberalism as a desire to be free of all that conservatism is. Anxiety over the future is rejected. Conservatism is more difficult to summarize. Liberalism is a pathological condition. To prove the assertion requires we define a state of normalcy. The pathology of liberalism means they deny normal human beings exist. This position is pathological all by itself. It is like claiming there are no healthy people. No one makes a sick person healthy by claiming there are no healthy people. A normal person is not a liberal and liberals are not normal persons. The division between conservatism and liberalism is not just political, it is medical. Liberalopathy ought to be a recognized malady. In this schema, the conservatism could be considered an attempt to protect the boundaries of normalcy against the insanity of the encroaching permissions of liberalism. Conservatism understands the liberal love of freedom as a rationalization for the absence of restraint and the abandonment of self-control. After all, one of the main issues people have with free speech is the hate and misinformation that is spread. But this is only a problem with the mentally sick. It is not a problem with sane and mentally healthy persons. Without a clear definition for conservatism, however, it is easy to tie us in with the insanities of liberalism. A sane person is not a free person in the sense sane people except they are in a reality that is common to all sane persons. The problem for a liberal is their liberalopathy, their mental illness. 
They do not live in a normal reality, which can be defined, so naturally they cannot make sense of the situation they created for themselves. The more they embrace the liberal perspective, the world of unbounded freedom, the more they are likely to hit obstructions. To fully understand and appreciate liberalism, we must enhance our comprehension of conservatism and what it is about. Liberals believe everything is relative and truth is contingent. This is why they cannot embrace the idea of normalcy. Normalcy would set an absolute standard against which deviation could be plotted, and this would not be compatible with their liberal worldview. How can liberals be normal when normal for them would be to break the mold they are in? We can set the gauge of normalcy to zero. Any positive integer still leaves the sample within the normal range. Pathology occupies the negative range of the measuring tool. This fact is no different from what is true in any measurement system. But the clearest expression of how the indices of normalcy works is economics. An account at zero is normal. A positive balance still is within the normal range. The higher the balance of the account being monitored, the more positive the score. A negative accounting balance is problematic. The higher the debt, the further from reconciliation one is. Normalcy is determined by a process no more complicated than looking at an account balance, but remember, the proviso is that we live in a pathological system, a liberal system. The account, such as it is, therefore actually indicates next to nothing. In fact, it is possible for a person's account to show a positive cash balance and yet the person is a drain on the economy. An account might show overdrafts, unpaid debt, and an account deeply in the red, yet the person be a positive contributor to the society he is in. But that is the problem with the liberal system. It is misleading, dishonest, and psychotic because its accounting cannot be reconciled. It is the process of reconciliation that establishes the reliability of one's accounting system. Liberals have gone to great lengths to ensure they and their actions cannot be evaluated or empirically certified as effective. With liberals, it is all about emotions. To initiate a system that contains a verification component means we have to abandon liberalism in its totality. It is simply that we cannot compare the worth of one emotional reaction against that of another. Physiology is real enough for those experiencing the trauma or horror, but the truth is no one can prove they are gay or unhappy or horrified. But if John cannot prove he is gay and Juliet cannot prove empirically or in an objective way that she is offended, is it wise to create policy based on their first-person narratives? If this is so with a first-person narrative, it remains true even when opinions on worth. If I claim to have $50 billion, am I worth this? How are we to tell what I am worth if our measuring tool is grounded in subjective elements? If I am the one determining the value of both inputs and outputs, what is the resultant balance based on? We know communism fails primarily because it has no way to objectively determine the value of a particular policy option. But is capitalism much better? The billions that Elon Musk and Bill Gates have tells us nothing about the value of these two men. A billion has no more moral significance than 30 antique motor cars. The fact that migrants in Canada get free hotel rooms, food, clothes, dental and medical care whilst homeless veterans are guaranteed access to a federal executioner tells us a lot about the subjective nature of economic policy in Canada. The accounts of the federal government provide something akin to an objective indication of their relative values and concerns. 
We know a budget that increases military spending indicates a pro-military bias and one that increases medical care is focused more on issues of compassion. But the indicators are not 100% reliable and provide no information at all about overall trends. These change with each election. It is something like a state's budgetary office we have to create for conservatives. What is meant by this is that conservatives must keep their accounts separate from the accounts of liberals. Normalcy is a prescribed deviation from a defined and quantifiable state. Conservatism is the standard by which normalcy is determined. This standard and its acceptable limits of deviation must be identifiable in a quantified manner to verify the normalcy of conservatism. The process by which normalcy is identified, quantified, and consolidated occupies three different stages called setup, growth, and development. What the entire process does is give conservatives a way to confirm the associate is normal and a conservative. Setup requires nothing more than a handful of potentially normal people. Normal persons help one another, but in a formal and verifiable manner. The centerpiece of any system of verification is a reconcilable accounting system. Every normal participant is an account holder, and every account is a cash account, meaning it contains only three columns or types of entries, the credit, debit, and balance columns. When Joe helps Jill, his account is credited the value of the work he does and Jill's account is debited the benefit she has received. Joe can utilize his credit balance to buy goods or services from any other stakeholder. Jill can use her debits to provide help to anyone who needs it, whom she can help. Periodically, the accounts are reconciled. The balance of the group's accounts always trend towards zero. Debits balance credits. Accounts are kept using a unit of account, which is a unit that exists as the unit of record. The unit of account is equity because work always produces units of equity. Prefers is a contraction of preferred shares. Preferred shares represent created equity. When Joe works for Jill, he adds value to the assets held by conservatives. The added value or equity is measured using prefer units. Earnings equal the number of hours work times the number of units paid per hour. Conservatives pay each other a living wage as established by themselves. This example of how a normal system works is provided to demonstrate how insane the liberal system is. There is a normal state of affairs, there is a conservative identity, and it is the moral norm. If we understand liberalism for what it is, a way to externalize costs onto society and future generations in order to gain power, it is reasonable to understand conservatism as a strategy for preserving what is normal. Conservatives are the party of normalcy and the defenders of the norm.